we just so honour you, mighty God. We so honour you. You are it. You are the one and only. There is nothing else beside you. If we don't have you, ultimately we have nothing. But we thank you, God, that you are the Redeemer. You are the mighty one who comes to save. So we're going to look at you today, Jesus. We love you. Amen. By the way, uh, who here walks in the supernatural zone? Well, I should have a few more hands than that. I mean, really? Who, who's the Lord's? Are you the Lord's? Well, why isn't your hand up? Okay, let's try this one again. So who here walks in the supernatural zone. Oh, that's a lot better. Man, guys, come on. So Alex and I were walking in the supernatural zone 10 days ago, and we were just having a time of prayer together on the, the Thursday morning. And, you know, something incredibly supernatural happened. God spoke to us. Now, you know, let's not get too fussy about the term miracles, but let's apply it to things that are exceptional, remarkable, unbelievably amazing, and concern the agency of God. So therefore, God speaking to me is an incredible miracle. When God speaks to you, it's, an, it's amazing because we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He bought that access with his blood. Oh, my goodness. What a cost. The blood of God. Did you know, and Derek Prince says this, it's not mine, one drop of the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything the devil can do. One drop of that supernatural, incredible blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything the devil can hold before us. So you need to think about communion in a whole different way. Because communion is something that celebrates this incredible sacrifice of Jesus by the way, I'm speaking about miracles, and he is a miracle worker. So we have to get to know these things about Jesus. And his blood is so powerful. It sets us, what was that word? Free. Oh, my. If you don't know freedom, you've got to know about the power of the blood of Jesus. Because without the blood of Jesus, there's no forgiveness of sins. You can't get rid of your sins unless you have the blood of Jesus, the miracle worker. And that's the greatest miracle of all, is that Jesus, holy, amazing God, came down to save us who didn't even want him. Do you know it says in the Bible in Isaiah that God is not far from people and he seeks out those who don't seek him. Oh, how amazing. You know, it does also say when you ask, you will receive, but it the other bit is he'll seek you and he'll go after you when you aren't going after him. 
So there's no way that we can boast. There's nothing of us that has caused this access, eternal access to the Father. But anyway, I was on a story. So Alex and I were having a prayer time. God spoke, and we're in the middle of this house situation that we've been in a while. And uh, we're looking at houses, and we can't find the one that God has for us. It's sort of a real waiting time. Oh, my goodness, that not that sort of tiresome? And we were a bit impatient. Anyway, as we were wait, waiting on the Lord, and just I just had this word, move now. And we didn't even know what house we were moving on. We had one that we were quite uncomfortable with, but it was sort of in the possibilities and we were looking at another one the next day and when we started a talk we said well we're buying a house tomorrow not quite sure which one but it's tomorrow so we went to see this house on Friday morning and we said we were meeting with Mark and Nikita so we said we're buying a house today but we're going to see one now and we're not sure quite sure which one it'll be we oh nearly perfect I tell you just about everything we wanted was in this house but we couldn't buy it Because the Lord said to us as we drove down the road past Richmond New Life, but this isn't where I called you to minister. (laughs) It was perfect. I mean, we could have parked a wee caravan and we could have gone off for weeks at a time without the grass growing and, oh my goodness just what you want for retirement. But see, God doesn't want retirement for us. (laughs) So as we drove down, we we weren't even at Stoke by the time we were saying we can't do that. So we'll put an offer in the other one that we're not comfortable with. So, okay, we ring up the lady and we say, okay, agent, we want to put an offer in. And she says, come in. So we come in and she says, oh, I've just received another offer on that place after months of no one being interested in it. Really? So we put our offer in that we felt, and an hour later it was ours. But if we'd waited another day, that one would have gone. You know, and God wants us to walk in this zone where we will hear him. And so therefore, our lives can line up. And I stood here in worship last Sunday laughing because God gave me this picture of what was going to happen in this house that we're going to that he chose not us. And this picture was, you know, we've we've done a lot of things in our life and one of them is we went up into China to pray and God told us to pray up this river right up to the the Himalayas. And uh, we didn't know how to do it, by the way. So don't think we're big and great. Uh, It just, we did it because God said to do it. Um, And in eternity, we might find out why, because we still don't know. We just did it. Okay, so we're up there, and we'd been traveling 21 days to get up there, and every day God didn't turn up. Oh, have you had times like this where you're really seeking God, you're really doing the right thing, you know it's the right thing, but he doesn't feel like he's there. So actually God did turn up, but there wasn't the feeling there. And so we got right up to this place called Dirchi, which is as far as you can go in China before Tibet, and you're not allowed to go any further because the police say so. And we were standing there with 
double closed everything on because it was freezing cold up there and we could only take in our wee backpack summer clothes, so we had to wear three layers. Um, and we was, that morning, I suddenly said to Alex, I felt that God was going to be there this morning. And so we stood and we had this bedroom window with the glass looking out all over the mountains of the Himalayas and the valley where the Mekong starts. This is, you know, the beginnings of the Mekong. And as we stood there, God came. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, I was blown around the room at times. It was incredible. And he had things to say in that region that he wanted us to say. And I don't know what they were now because that was that morning. But it was absolutely awesome. And so I saw that, and then I saw this place we've bought that's on a hill, and we don't buy on hills, I tell you. We have a, a strict rule. We don't buy on hills. <laughs> so we bought up in Bishopdale. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, on a hill, on a hill. Yeah, that's God. Yeah, yeah. And we're having a modern place, and it's not modern, and all these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to love it because God chose it. You know, it's, we're going to love it. It's so not us, but we're going to love it. You wait till you come and see it. And it's got a view. Oh, we thought we might have a paling fence view, but we've got this view of the city. And God said, you're going to pray from this window. He positioned us. He's positioned us for the next part of our life with this view in front of us to pray. Isn't that awesome? And that's a miracle. That's a miracle because, you know, we had in mind a wee retirement house. <laughs> now, yeah, well. Yeah, aluminium windows. Not aluminium windows. Double glazing. Not. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, be quiet there. <laughs> Do you know, God is so awesome. And some of you have walked some years with him and you love him so deeply in your hearts. And that's us. We love Jesus. And if you haven't known him, if you've only gone halfway even, I want to recommend him to you this morning, this God, Jesus. He is everything that is worthwhile. And he makes things worthwhile in your life. The things that have been in tatters, the things that have not grown the way you dreamed they would, all those things, he will make them for good in ways you can't possibly believe if, if you will just look to him. This is the miracle worker, our God. Who is the miracle worker? Let's just look at Isaiah Chapter 9, if you've got a Bible, you can turn on your phone. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, a lot of us know this, but we're going to listen to it afresh. Because this is our Messiah. This is our Jesus. This is our God. And this was predicted so many hundreds of years before Jesus came. Wow, you know, that in itself is amazing. Things that are known beforehand because our God works outside of time as well as inside of time. That's how big he is. I want you to get this amazingly huge picture of our Jesus, our God. Because then you won't be able to help believing. Why would you not believe in this guy? Oh, 
Right, so here he is. This is about Jesus, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful counselor. Now, I thought that was the name of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to see how entwined God is. You see, Jesus was going to be a wonderful counselor because he has the spirit of God. And he's going to be mighty God. Almighty God. Nothing's too big. This is our Jesus. Nothing is hard. When you say hard, it presumes that somewhere down the track it could get impossible. So nothing's hard for God because it's never going to get impossible because our God can do everything. Mighty God, everlasting Father. Oh, but I thought that was God the Father. But it's Jesus too because he says, I and the Father are one. So how entwined and how mysterious and miraculous is this, that we see this about God, Prince of Peace. Now, shut your eyes, and I'm going to say these one more time. They're so beautiful. And I want you just to let these things go deep into you. This is our Jesus. He is a wonderful Every situation in my life, in every time I have questions and don't understand, Jesus is my counsellor. I'll go to him. Mighty God. No miracle is too big. For this powerful God who I serve. No one is too hardened for him to break through. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. At the time when I didn't know a father, at a time when I felt fatherless, I was not. Because from everlasting, from my birth and before, he was my father. And in all of eternity, he will be my father. He is my father in every way. He holds me secure. Prince of peace. Prince. You know, in the old times, prince was more powerful than king. So when you had the prince of Persia talked about in the Bible, actually he was the top dog. And so when it talks about prince of peace, it doesn't mean there's a king that comes on top of that. He is peace itself. He is our peace. He is the one who can step into everything in our lives and go, peace be still. That's a miracle. Okay, and on the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will rule on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, this is our Jesus. Now, we often forget this when we just read the nice uh, things in the gospel. That's Jesus, the Son of God. That's lovely. But this is Jesus, Almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor. This is the guy. He's not a guy, actually. He's Almighty God, but he's one for eternity. And so when you think, I can't reconcile the world today with what Jesus promises, what should you think about that? Oh, my mind is puny, but my God is powerful. My mind is puny, but my God is powerful. My mind is puny. I can't work it out. You can't work it out. It doesn't look like it's going to work out at all. But if my God says it, he will do it. And it says it in the word. You know, this is why we need to read the word, because the word is what backs up everything, because this is the final authority of our God. And, you know, a lot of times I hear the word, I hear God through this beautiful book. And even if I read it and I didn't specifically hear him say something, I feel the washing in my life. Do you ever feel that when you read? And it's just like there's a beautiful water just washing you as you read. It's just, you know, people are taking for granted the word of God. We mustn't do it because the other name of Jesus is the word. He's the word of God and this word is what he wants us to know. We really, really want to know it because we want to walk the way that he wants us to walk because he's our saviour and we love him because he first loved us. That's amazing. You know, it says it in Romans, you know, we didn't do anything good. In fact, we were down in the depths, but even when we were deep in sin, he loved us and gave himself for us. And then it says, hey, if he did all of this, how will he not with him give us some things? All things. If he did this much, now, those all things that are needed in our life, he will give us because he provides. Okay, so I want us now to turn to Revelation chapter 1. So John's at the end of his life, and just like the other apostles, he's been persecuted for his beliefs. And so he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he has a vision of God, which was actually not new to him because he knew this God because this is the man, Christ Jesus, who he rested on his breast. This is the man, Christ Jesus, that he shared food with. He shared his life with. He listened to his teachings. This 
is the one. But John had known him in a hidden guise because when Jesus came to earth, he came in his working clothes to be a man and to save. And so this was a a hidden glory. And most people never got that. And even John, who got so much more than so many other people, didn't understand the fullness of the glory of God either. So John's been talking to Jesus many times over the years. He, uh, since um, Jesus went back to heaven, he had the experience of Pentecost. He saw the miracles through the book of Acts that we read. Lame men rise up. Blind people see. He prayed for people and the dumb spoke and all those things. So he knew a lifetime of this Jesus. But there was more to come. So we're looking here at verse 10, chapter 1. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. That means he was just totally focused on God. It's a great place to be. Hope you were there this morning. It's a great day. You can be there in your bedchamber too. Hope you are. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You see, he want, Jesus wants to communicate. And he didn't want to just communicate then, but he wanted to communicate for the rest of time. And so it's in here. And I turned to see the voice that was talking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. With a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool. As white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And on his, in his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I said, Lord, you're looking really good today. <laughs> I love that. Robe. No, he didn't. I fell at his feet as though dead. I mean, he'd, he'd walked with him. He talked with him. But this is the seeing of the glory of God, and he hadn't seen it this way before. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. Because it must have been fearsome, eh? It must have been glowing, radiating, shimmering, shining, incredible. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Therefore, write what you've seen. What is now and what will take place later? 
When Jesus came to earth, he put his glory aside. But we aren't at that time. We are at the time when the glory of the Lord is coming on the earth. And you know, we're at that time when we need to be seeking the presence of God and the power of God as he comes to bring righteousness on the earth. You know, it's not time for us to be only concerned with our own small things, which seem very large to us, but it's not all about us. You know, this Jesus is going to come riding a white horse with faithful and true on his thigh and wielding a sword over the nations. This is our Jesus. And this is our miracle worker. Nothing on earth will be able to stand against the power of God Almighty in Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will be the one that we will marry. Get that. Because we're the church, and God is growing up a beautiful bride to be the bride of Christ Jesus. So this is our miracle worker. It's quite easy for us to think about miracles sometimes and to think, I need one. I'm going to ask because I need it. How? Who could pray for me best? I'm sure there's someone who's got more in their fingers than someone else. Have you ever thought like that? Well, actually, that's not real good because miracles aren't magic. And it's all about Jesus. And actually, Mark preached half my sermon this morning. But, do you know, sometimes God wants us to hear it twice. Because when I, or three times, or more. But, you know, when I was in the teaching realm, we used to say this. The first time, sometimes if it's new language, you go, the person goes, uh, I don't understand that. And the second time they go, oh, yeah, I do sort of understand that. And the third time they go, oh, wow, yes, I've got it. So I'm going to just say it again. We're not focusing on miracles. We're focusing on the miracle worker because he is the one it's all about. And, you know, I just listened to a podcast by a a lady called Liz Kleem. Liz or, yeah, Liz Kleem, and she works for Iris Ministries. She was talking about her work forever uh, with Iris Ministries in Africa. And she said this, I think there's a quote up there, and it says, I'm not living to see miracles. I'm living to see Jesus. So yes, we need miracles, and that's part of it along the way, and the Lord knows it, and he wants us to be people who walk in miracles and accept miracles and Pray for people for miracles. It's all part of walking in the supernatural zone. Hey, guys, you all put your hands up. I saw you. Okay, so I'm not living to see miracles. If that is the thing that holds you most in your life, you will fall away. Why? Because what do you do with when miracles don't happen the way you thought they would. 
What do you do with those mysteries of God where you were sure something was right, but it didn't work out? And these are the mysteries, and we have, what kind of minds do we have? Puny minds. And, you know, we've got to accept the fact that we won't be able to understand everything that the mind of God has. Can you get that now? Just deal with it in your mind right now. I will not be able to understand with certainty everything that the mind of God has. But he will help me to understand what I need to understand. Deal with it now. Get it out of the way. You don't need to know everything. You know, we're such a controlling people. We want to know. If we don't know, we won't do it. We'll just go and get some more evidence on Google. Well, Google won't save you. <laughs> okay. So I won't. I'll not be living to see miracles. I'm living to see Jesus. And she said, in Mozambique, they see a lot of miracles because they need them. You know, sometimes we factored miracles out of our lives by being so good at doing it all in our own strength. But times are coming when we will not be in that place because we'll have to have a miracle. It's a good thing. I think we should rejoice in this because God is faithful and he will bring those miracles and we need to be people who will learn to walk like that. I'm not living to see miracles. I'm living to see Jesus because she said people in her nation who are serving in their ministry die here and there and over there and there and there. They're just in the wrong place at the wrong time in a war zone. So if miracles is your whole emphasis, you're going to be broken. And you know, sometimes we just feel really entitled about miracles. Like, um, I've led someone to the Lord, and I've been reading my Bible quite regularly, and uh, I tithe. I'm doing the children at church too. So I'm way up the list. Can we earn it? Are we earning miracles now? No, because actually earning stuff was what Martin Luther was trying to get rid of in the church way, way back then. And it's, it sort of crept in again, I feel, in little ways. Sneaky little ways. Sneaky. Yeah, that's the word. Sneaky. We can't earn a thing when we don't earn miracles. And they are the favor of God and they are the blessing of God. And we accept them with great joy. And when they don't happen, we choose to bow down and worship the king because he is the king anyway. And he is the miracle worker anyway. So he doesn't put on a miracle-working robe when it's time for miracles and suddenly become the miracle worker. It's always on because it's his character, a miracle-working God. So we don't need to wait for him to tie his robe. This is him, miracle-working God, mighty, almighty God. But we can get entitled, can't we? And we need to get rid of it. You know, this is a thing of the world in this generation and my generation. Any generation, we feel we deserve something. And, you know, there's a famous brand that had the slogan, because you deserve it. It's a 
think it was, uh, I don't know, I, I wouldn't like to say I, I might be um, sued for saying the wrong cosmetics brand, but at the end of everything they had, because you deserve it. Well, we don't deserve a cosmetic brand to make us look better than we are. We don't deserve anything, actually. And so everything we have that pours from the hand of God is undeserved grace. Absolutely undeserved. And if you don't receive another thing other than the grace of God that lifts you out of sin and into access with the Father every day of your life until you die, you've, deserved, you've received far more than ever you deserved. I mean, don't go too far down what you do deserve. That's not a good place to go because it goes down, down, down. But you know, there's such a joy in humility. Now, Jesus showed us the way to humility. And let's just turn to last scripture is Philippians chapter 2. This is our Jesus. This is Almighty God. This is Eternal Father. This is all these things that we've talked about about our Jesus. Here he is now, who being, verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider God, equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of this, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is our Jesus. You see? He was in eternity. He came as a man in a hidden guise to save us. And he now is in eternity again at the right hand of God. And every tongue will one day confess, even if they never wanted to. It will happen. I'm going to choose now. I'd so much rather choose now than be told, I, than know that I must do it at the end. This is Jesus. You know there's a spiritual law here. There's a spiritual law about humility. God says that he will exalt the humble, but he will reduce the pride down. This is a spiritual law. It is true at every single place in the Bible. God lifts up the humble person and he brings down the proud. So this is something, when you look at a person and you see their life, you know, when I see people who humbly serve in the background, I start to go, hmm, 
Mm. Because that's one of the aspects of Jesus that I would expect to see. And when I see someone lifting them up, and particularly also at the expense of other people, that's not a kingdom thing, guys. This is not a kingdom thing, and we have to be discerning to recognize so that when we see people who are doing false things in the name of Jesus, I tell you, it's in the Bible, in the last times this will happen, we have to be discerners of who is walking in the spirit of Jesus and who is not. And one of the major things that you need to know is that arrogance is not kingdom. Lifting yourself up, putting yourself on a platform is not kingdom. Kingdom is about being a servant. Kingdom is about laying down the things of your life for the king of glory so that he can do what he wants to do. And this is what Jesus was, a servant. And being found in nature as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. So if we want to see miracles, we have to see the miracle worker and we have to know what we're looking at in the people around us as well. Look for humility, guys. That's where it starts. Because Jesus started there and if the master started there, it's not too good for us. Okay. So... I want to end with talking to you. Well, I don't want to talk to you, actually. I just want to plead with you. Father, I just ask you to just be right here at this time. In the greatest miracle of all. You see, before we look at all kinds of wonderful, amazing, spectacular, awesome miracles that we see in the flesh like growing legs and eyes, the blind eyes opening and all those kind of things, there is one miracle that's greater than all, and that is the miracle of new birth. And I felt the Lord so wanted me to say this today to you, that if you haven't fully chosen Jesus. You know, he's chosen you, but you have to choose him. And if you haven't done this yet, now is just the most fantastic time to do it. It is the time to do it because he is the one who will bring you life in all its abundance. And without him, you just get second best. I mean, I can't get why people would choose that. Why would you choose second best when the Lord's hand out to give you the very, very best that he has because he knows the things that really aren't good for you that you are sure are the best. But if you were like us when he says, not that house, this one, and if you will do that in your life and you will say to him, if you say it, I will do it because I know, not that you'll punish me. No, he's not like that. But because you know he loves you so much, he's got the best in mind, why wouldn't you choose that Jesus?